so glad that Jesus, I don't know about you, but I put my hand in the air for you. I'm so glad that Jesus not only lifted me, but he picked me up and he turned me around. Place my feet on solid ground. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So glad. So glad. So glad he lifted me. So glad. So glad, Sister Benita. So glad. So glad. Even in times of trouble, he lifted, lifted me. When things weren't going right, he lifted me. I can hear the song, You Made a Way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, sir. yes, you did. When my back was against the wall, looked like it was over. I got to get some voice back. Amen. Amen. Because he made a way. He made a way. Let us pray. God, we thank you for being the one that looks upon the sparrow. Who decides that we are your friends and that you're going to keep your eyes on us. That you will lift us in time of trouble. And that you will. Bless us when our backs are against the wall. You'll make a way. And so, God, as we come now to deliver this word on this Palm Sunday, we thank you, Father, for all that you have given to us. Now, God, anoint your word. Anoint this message. Anoint the deliverers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, the devil did not want all of this praise and high praise to go up today. He tried to take the technology and, and screw it all up such that we didn't even have a sermon to deliver to you this morning. And, you know, it, it's, it's, we are, we're accustomed to reading the Bible and making a sermon, but God has been for the whole almost 13 years that we have been a church, he's always said to us to deliver a specific word. Uh, and so we went through, Pastor I went through, I went through, I was the one that kind of messed it up, but she, <coughs> she went through and she found the sermon. That's why we've been married almost 36 years. Amen. When one can't get it together, the other one helps the other one out. Amen. And Graham, it's been 38 years since I've known her. So you can say what you want to say, but we still here together. I'm just teasing her. She loves me and I love her. 
but she loves to tell me that this one was the one that came out of her quill, so I got to take a second seat. I don't try to take a second seat. I'll let y'all know that. You have heard the scriptures from, read from this familiar Palms story, Palm Sunday story. We always like to bring something different in this kind of a story because uh, year after year, it is the same story. And so we want to call your attention to a few words and actions of Jesus during this time. You see, in the scripture, <clears throat> verse 28, it says that he went ahead, went on ahead. He was going up to Jerusalem, meaning he was traveling in a certain direction. In verse 29, he approached, uh, in the version of the Bible that I was using, he approached. That meant he was moving towards a certain direction. Uh, he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill of the Mount of Olives. He was then giving the location of where he was going. And he told Sister Kemper, two of his disciples, to go to the village, quote, ahead of you. Again, here we are talking about a direction. And in verse 32, he, he, to those he, he let go a certain way by instruction, he sent them ahead. Then finally, if we go through verses 36, the phrase says, and he went along. And in verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives. Finally, verse 41, I know I said finally before, but in verse 41, he approached Jerusalem. He approached Jerusalem. Again, talking about direction. And then finally, he wept over Jerusalem. My sisters and brothers, when I was a young boy, I went on a road trip to New York City with my family. Of course, in those days, remember, there was no GPS system just maps and memory, just maps and memory. I hope you heard me. Well, in the car was my daddy, the driver, my mama, the front seat supervisor, my aunt Sarah, my daddy's sister, who was the back seat driver, and me. Of course, Brother C.J., being a dual world traveler, we got lost, as I have told you on some other lost uh, stories that we have given. We got lost. We had no map and very little memory. But my daddy had, quote, an idea of where we were going and how we were going to get there. Of course, Mama, who had never driven a day in her life in New York City, 
knew everything. Meaning she thought she knew everything about where we were going and how to get there. Then there was Aunt Sarah, bless her heart, who believed that she knew the best direction because she used to live on Flatbush in New York. But now she was a resident of North Carolina and times have changed and things had changed uh, since she was there. And so she didn't really know what she thought she knew. We're going to get to the sermon after a while. Then there was me. <laughs> I was absolutely, positively, and undeniably clueless. Absolutely there, absolutely positively there, but undeniably clueless as to what to do. What's more, I wanted to go back to North Carolina anyway. I didn't see no sense in trying to figure out where this place was. We in all of New York and, and nobody know where they're going. So this morning we want to talk to you from the subject heading in the right direction. Heading in the right direction. You see, we want you to know that there is a difference between looking at the right direction and heading in the right direction. Am I right about it? I'm, I'm trying to make sure, like I told you last week, I'm in the right church. A few amens will make a preacher preach, and the rest of them make them sit down. You can look towards the correct direction, but if you don't know the right direction, you're still lost. And until you head in the right direction, you won't hit the jackpot. That's for you live horseshoe and MGM fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the names of them all. I don't go there, but I know the names. Until you head in the right direction, you won't get the victory. That's more church language. I know y'all like that. And until you head in the right direction, you won't even know the rest of your own story. Can I get an amen in the house? Because it's true, it's true, it's true. So, 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 so my daddy, I call him the accelerator, bless his heart, was stuck between a carburetor and a gas tank. My mama was the carburetor. Adding the inflammatory mixture to the air that helps the car to accelerate. In other words, the atmosphere was charged so that there was more gas than was needed. And therefore, she kept my father, who really loved his wife, let me tell you, he loved him some more there. Uh, but she kept him very confused. Then there was my aunt, the gas tank who kept filling the car with fuel, which was the information believed to be correct with all the necessary octane additives for a smooth trip, but had no earthly idea how to regulate the octane level in the tank. And of course, 
I was the brakes. All I wanted to do was stop, get something to eat, turn around, and go home. God rest their souls, they're all gone now, but neither the carburetor, nor the gas tank, nor the accelerator, nor even the brakes could get the car parts together and headed in the right direction. There's a difference between looking towards the right direction and heading towards the right direction. Until we get our mental maps melded together, we will be lost. So now let's look at this spiritually. At any rate, here comes Jesus. Headed in the direction that the Father had sent him in. But the problem for him was that he knows that the direction he's headed in will send him to die. And not only to die, but to die for scums and murderers and cheaters and haters and backsliders. To die for those who will tell the truth or lie like a tack down rug, as my sister would say. To die for those who were wretches undone. To die for street walkers and drug abusers. To even die for pesky criticizing unfair Pharisees and those sad Sadducees. I know y'all going to get it after a while. Die for everyone on earth, good or bad. Because his father above wanted him to have uh, have and wanted them to have an opportunity to be saved. So Jesus headed in the right direction for our sake. To do the right thing for wrong men and for wrong women. And as he headed in the right direction he wept over the city. Sometimes, y'all, heading in the right direction, doing the right thing is an alternate way of putting it. May put you further in the valley experiences of life than you want to be in. For us, God wants us to know that if we head in the right direction, then we should be moving in the right direction. In other words, we ought to be growing in grace. God wants us to head in the right direction. Amen. Amen. And so our story, our story that Pastor Keith has already begun, uh, it, it goes as Jesus is approaching the city of Jerusalem. And the scripture tells us that he weeps over the city. 
uh, here, 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 here he is. Uh, I, I don't need you all to get a mental picture of this. Here he is uh, coming through the crowd on a borrowed donkey that no one has ever ridden. That There are people that are waving palm branches, singing their hosannas in the highest, and they're receiving their long-awaited Messiah. His path now, his path has been covered with the garments of the people who are standing on the side. Uh, those are the onlookers uh, laying their garments on the street uh, as, as well as the palm branches uh, that they have cut down from the palm trees. There is so much excitement in the atmosphere. Can anybody feel the excitement that's going on? There is there's joy in the air uh, and Jesus, he's getting a, a royal welcome, Pastor Keith, uh, being treated like a rock star. Ah, 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 it's, a, it's a good time. It's a good time. And, and people are excited. Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew's text, because this story is recorded in every one of the Gospels. Uh, uh, but I think it's funny, Pastor Keith, that the only writer that picks up that Jesus wept over the city was in the writing by Luke. But if we look at Matthew 21 and 9, we'll see that it says that Jesus was in the center of the procession uh, he was he was he was the man uh, at the time and mark 11 and 9 says uh, that there's the same story uh, and that the people all were shouting uh, oh they were singing having a cut up time just like we just did uh, uh, john 12 and 17 says that the crowd had already seen jesus uh, get lazarus out of the tomb uh, raise him up from the dead and they had already told everybody about the wonder-working power of this Lord and Savior Jesus. Oh, but can I tell somebody, had it been the 21st century, Facebook would have been endless with posts. Uh, it would have been a trending topic on Twitter and Instagram would be blowing up. Our television shows would have been interrupted to bring that breaking news. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Jesus, the one who is being celebrated, the one who all the excitement is over, sees something that nobody else sees. Mm. He's feeling something that nobody else is feeling. How, how do, how do I know how, how do I know I know it? Because in the midst of all the cheering and all the singing and all of his, all of their dancing, verse 41 in the text says, as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Our Savior Jesus, he's heading in the right direction, but he collides with a city full of people who are not. Oh, 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 the pain, the pain, the pain that Jesus saw and he felt caused tears to stream from his eyes. 
I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but but I want you to please take note that in the passage that we lifted up for your hearing, uh, that that I read for you, uh, that we we see and we hear and we can feel the emotions of the people who are joined on the sideline, the onlookers, the people who have come out. We hear their excitement, but the text is silent on the emotions of Jesus. Oh, let me break it down to you. We would only be guessing if we thought that maybe he had a smile when he rode in. Or maybe he sat there and waved back to the people. Or maybe he just looked straight ahead. Or, or I don't even know if he made eye contact with the crowd, Pastor Keith. There is only one thing I know for sure, and that is Jesus knew what they did not. And he wept for them because it overwhelmed him and he had great sorrow in his heart. Ah, come on, come on, come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church for a minute. Just for a minute. I just need, I need, I need you all to walk with me. I need you all to walk with me in this. I want to pause for just a minute and ask the question. Come on, listen, 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 listen. Is Jesus weeping for you right about now? Oh, ah, is he overwhelmed with great sorrow about the direction that your life has taken? Oh, is, is he disturbed? Is he disturbed, Reverend Veronica? Is he disturbed this morning by the choices that you are making? Is he disgusted about your thoughts, your words, or your deeds? I'm just asking, I'm just asking the question. Ah, Jesus, 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 who was fully human and fully God, demonstrated human compassion over a city that he loved. And he had a crystal clear vision of what lie ahead because of his omniscience. He knew all about the horrific suffering he was about to endure for the sake of mankind. But according to the text, he was not weeping for himself, but rather he was weeping for what the people would experience in Jerusalem because of of their rejection of him. Oh, I need, I need, I need, I need some people who love Jesus this morning. I, I, I know, I know, we know that right now with the crowds cheering and the people singing and the waving of the palm that it looks like everybody is on the same page. It looks like everybody is on the Lord's side. I, I know it seems like the people are on one accord, but in just a few days, 
just a few days, they will begin to show their real colors. And they will show what's really in their hearts. Oh, somebody said it's a hot thing. It's a hot thing. They're about to show it. They're about to show it. Oh, so Jesus, Jesus, we're talking about heading in the right direction. Is that what we're talking about? Well, we're, he is heading in the right direction. And his tears over the people and the city shows us what he really saw. Ah, ah. Oh, oh God. So when we, when we turn our attention to verse number 42 in our text, we, we see that he is, he is crying over a city who is without peace. Uh, do you all know what it is to live in a time without peace? Uh, do you want to talk to somebody in Ukraine that, tell, that, that talks about a time that they're not living in peace? Do you want to go across America and go city by city and see the violence and see the upset and see the and, and see everything that is happening where people are being shot down for absolutely nothing. Do you want to talk about part tarts that don't have peace? And you know what makes it so bad is that even even Jesus being there in their midst as the Prince of Peace sees a city with no peace. trying to help somebody I'm trying to I'm trying to help somebody he he's the prince of peace uh, uh, somebody needs to know that he is able to bring sinners into that permanent state of peace uh, with God uh, I'm not talking about our kind of peace uh, but I'm talking about that perfect peace uh, that only God can give uh, I'm talking about that peace uh, that passes all understanding uh, I'm talking about that kind of peace uh, but they missed uh, their opportunity Jesus weeps over the city, a city without peace. Verse 40, 43, 43, he, he weeps, he weeps over a city who would be punished in 40 years. He, he saw, he saw, he knew, he, he understood that there would be uh, the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. And in other words, their enemies were going to surround them and take them over and destroy the temple. And all they would leave is a wall standing. Can you imagine what it might feel like when people were used to going to the temple and saying their prayers and getting the word but 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 one day uh, somebody comes uh, and tears it down uh, and now where will you go but it was a part of the punishment uh, and the punishment was so severe because the sin was so rampant uh, because of the rejection of the messiah does it not sound like uh, the way in which we live today uh, there is so much rejection uh, of the messiah do we want to reject him in, in our in our homes, we reject them in our schools, we reject them in our civil courts buildings, we reject them everywhere we go. I'm telling you, there's gonna come a day when Jesus is gonna say, Enough is enough. Ah, and every knee is gonna is gonna bow, and every tongue is gonna confess that I am Lord. Come on, somebody in the house. 
on, come on, come on. You see, you see, you see. Oh, we live in a time now. It's John 12 and 43 puts it that there was a time when Israel loved the praise of men more than they did their God. Anybody look look like or look when you look around, does it look like people enjoy the praise of men more than the praise of our God? Jesus, I said, Jesus wept as he looked over the sea. That was a happy day. People were singing. And they were dancing and shouting and, and they were throwing their palm branches down on the ground. And Jesus got a, a royal welcome. But, but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' heart, his heart was broken. His heart was, was broken. He wept. He wept for their unbelief. It looked like, it looked like everybody was on his side. But what he knew, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. In verse 44 in the text, he wept over a city whom he loved, filled with people whom he loved, and in just a few days, <laughs> the same people whom he loved would turn him over to be crucified. Ah, get your head around, get your head around that. Ah, Jesus loved the nation of Israel, and he loved them with an unending love. He loved them with an unlimited love and an unbounded love, just as a father would love his own children. But as Jesus was carrying that unconditional love for for Israel, and he wept over the people of Israel, then he weeps over us for his love now. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Give God, give God, give God his praise. My brothers and sisters, I'm about to sit down, but can I tell you, we are challenging you. We are challenging the church of the living God this morning and each and every one in this moment to not let go of your love for the Savior. What am I saying? Don't ever let your love for Jesus grow cold. Jesus will weep when you start to let go of his love. Oh my, my, my. Give attention to the warnings that come your way. Can I tell you church, apply the word of God to your life. Never, come on, come on, come on. Never be careless with your calling and whatever you do whatever you do don't draw back from the love of Jesus hallelujah I need somebody to know you've got to know how to head in the right direction hallelujah hallelujah
So we've got to head in the right direction. I just have one quick question for you. Do you realize what happens when you head in the right direction? Do you realize that there's more hope? There's more trust in God. And that if we obey him, even in those dirty, nasty circumstances, things are going to brighten up if you head in the right direction. We can see more progress. We can see how things are going to add up some kind of way. If we but have Jesus in our lives, and we're headed toward the right direction.